I know they were here last Sunday. <laughs> I was fishing uh, last Sunday. No, this is the first I've seen the choir back. Uh, I know they were here last week, but I'm very glad to be surrounded again. Of course, this also means, once again, I have nowhere to run. So. <laughs> the story of Ruth opens with tragedy upon tragedy. Famine in Judah, a family of refugees, followed by three funerals. The biblical author gives a few de details, uh, but other than to say Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies after the family reaches the safety of Moab. And ten years later, both of Naomi's sons die, Malon and Killian. Author doesn't tell us how. She leaves it up to our imagination, and so we fill in the spaces between our memories that she's left open and our memories of our own funerals, sitting in the front row, boxes of Kleenex, the bewilderment, the smell of flowers, the family will receive visitors from 6 to 8 p.m., the gloss on the coffin, the pile of dirt behind the grave. The introduction to the book of Ruth concludes with this unassuming yet still devastating statement. So the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. Naomi is so stricken with grief, she changes her name to Mara, which means bitter. For she says, Shaddai, or that is the Almighty, Shaddai has dealt bitterly with me, as we often do when the world implodes around us, we implicate God in our grief and our suffering. But Naomi can't say this about Ruth. Knowing she's now a widow and also without sons to care for her, Naomi believes she's going to be a burden for her daughters-in-law. Isn't that what we all fear? I don't want to be a burden on my children. We all probably will be. They deserve it. <laughs> but that's her fear. It's a very common fear. She, she tries giving Orpah and Ruth, both of her daughters-in-law, a way out of the eventual responsibilities like power of attorney and filling out Medicare paperwork and nagging the staff at the nursing home. She gives them a way out. And Orpah kisses Naomi and stays in Moab, but Ruth. But Ruth, she promises loyalty. Loyalty to Naomi with some of the most famous words in the Bible, King James Version, whither thou goest, I will go. Or wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. Ruth gives up her freedom, her home, her nation, her burial plot, if she had one, and even her own religion. Ruth's name in Hebrew, by the way, means friend, companion. So Ruth goes to Bethlehem with Naomi, 
Ruth a friend, but also a foreigner, an orphan of sorts, and certainly a widow herself. She joins the harvest on the family farm and makes her name for herself as a, as a hard worker, a vigorous, energetic woman. Then a wealthy relative, Boaz, takes note of her kindness. He owns the land. Takes note of her kindness, her loyalty, her resilience, her hard work. Boaz and Ruth eventually marry. There, there's even a funny, awkward scene between them late one evening. They're in the barn in the dark after Boaz has had a, maybe one too many Welch's grape juices. <laughs> and then the author reports, at midnight, the man, Boaz, was startled, turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. Whoa, Boaz. Happy Halloween. <laughs> but as we hear or read the story of Ruth, it may pique our interest to realize that one character is strangely missing from the story, from the drama. Now, of course, there's mention of this character, but they never do show up in person or in voice. Who has gone missing? Well, Shaddai. Shaddai doesn't show up. The Almighty never speaks. The Lord never prompts anyone to say in this story, thus saith. So then where is God in the famine and the funerals and bitterness and loyalty and hard work and resilience? Where is God? In the Christian canon of scripture, which we call the Bible, Ruth follows the book of Judges, one of the most violent books in scripture. In Judges, Israel settles the promised land with the sword. Judges teaches us the story of Samson and Delilah, one of my favorite stories as a kid. A story of lies and betrayal that ends with Samson's eyes gouged out by the Philistines and Samson's vengeful, vengeful suicidal massacre of thousands of Philistines when he pushes the columns and the building collapses on thousands of Philistines. We feel almost whipsawed to encounter quiet Ruth after all these things with her gentle way, her unassuming loyalty. We might also say Ruth stands out no matter what book of the Bible we put her beside. For throughout the Old Testament, it's impossible to find a story, the New Testament for that matter. It's impossible to find a story this long where God doesn't show up somewhere to say something whether through thunderous voice or flaming chariot, through burning bush or field of dry bones clicking and stitching back to life. Ruth is a most extraordinary story in its own right, precisely because before the curtain rises in the drama, God has already receded to the stage left, out of sight, to lurk behind the scrim for the rest of the play. In Ruth, God is not named in the credits. The Lord is more like a shadow moving behind and between the actors. God behind the scrim, hiding. Isn't that how most of us meet God in our lives? God not obviously there, but there somewhere. 
in the midst of tragedies and comedies that constitute our lives. Now, there are those lucky ones among us who have experienced the most uncommon encounters. I know of some very well-adjusted people who have heard God speak audibly to them. People tell ministers things like this. Or seen visions of Jesus at the foot of their bed. Or heard choirs of angels singing in their prayers. I myself have an encounter or two that one day I'll tell my grandkids about. And then they'll probably look at me and then look at Aaron and say, Granddaddy's kind of weird. <laughs> Maybe you're one of the lucky ones too. But even the lucky ones don't live like this all the time. What makes these encounters extraordinary is the simple fact that they interrupt what's ordinary. They strike us in the midst of our ordinary lives of pots and pans and aches and pains and bills and weddings and funerals and diapers and traffic jams and parent-teacher conferences and ball games and barbecues. Maybe the author of Ruth wants to disrupt all these extraordinary encounters to say, but most of your lives will not be like this, they'll be like mine. Sometime or another, life will come crashing down around you or someone you love, and you won't be able to look to a burning bush for answers. You will simply find a way to survive, to keep going with a quiet trust in a God who so often hides. This is the life of faith that 99% of us live. Life on the other side of heartbreaks, life on the other side of the unexpected. You have laid your partner of a lifetime to rest or your own precious child. And you are now living in a world that is dimmer than it used to be. The grandchild has come home to live with you. Or you are that grandchild who's come home to live with grandma and granddaddy. Or you have become the caretaker when you thought you would be an empty nester. Is there a household in our church right now living under the circumstances they thought they'd be just two years ago? Even without viruses, life's most significant disruptions are so common that Jesus devotes some of his seven precious last words on the cross. Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. If you are one of those who finds it takes extra effort to see God in the world or sense God's presence in your life, I want you to take heart. It may be that you, like Ruth, are actually the one in your family, in your household, in your neighborhood, in your community, who is showing God's loving kindness to others. It may be that you, by your loyalty 
and love, or you by your fierce determination, or you by your patience, or you by your quiet faith, or the one teaching someone else what God is like. That's really who Ruth is and what Ruth does. Her loving kindness imitates God's loving kindness throughout the story. Will God take care of us? Look at Ruth. We'll see one who's after God's own heart. Her faith lived out in the plain sight of her community points us to the God who is still there even in the shadows. Whither thou goest, I will go. When we hear that, we think of God and know that that's what God is like. Whither thou goest, I will go. When we say it, wherever we are, maybe, just maybe, God comes out of hiding.